health experts say it is not a matter of if, but when the coronavirus will come here to North Carolina. From Washington State to North Carolina, the nursing home at the center of a coronavirus outbreak hundreds of miles away is touching lives right here. We have confirmed our first presumptive positive results for the new coronavirus in North Carolina. A hope at the opening bell, but another very Ooh. bad day on Wall Street. Fears over the coronavirus having a major impact on the stock. Coronavirus. It's what everybody in the world is talking about. It's changing our lives. It's changing our jobs. It's changing how close we get to people, when and if we go to the grocery store, if we go to a movie. WREL has been covering this massive global pandemic for months now. But in the past two weeks, it's found its way not just to the United States, not just to North Carolina, but right here to Wake County, where our news station is located. Covering the pandemic has not been easy for anyone. It's involved a lot of behind-the-scenes discussions, planning, safety measures. In this episode of How to Commit Journalism, we'll talk with Isa Bassarin, the assistant news director here at WRAL, as well as Jody Glusko, who's head of all our digital content. I hope that giving you a peek behind the scenes helps dispel any notion you may have that this situation is being made worse by the media, that it's some sort of sensationalized hoax, that it's something that we aren't taking just as seriously as you should. We start our conversation with Isa. For people not familiar with TV, what does an assistant news director do? So I decide a lot of coverage for our newsroom, um, handle a lot of scripts, um, any kind of legal, ethical issues that come our way, um, a lot of personnel issues, that so sort really of thing. So really big picture and yes. day of stuff. Yes. You're over. A blend. You said that in like three sentences, but guys, her job is so much more than that. She's always very busy. Right now, you're leading a newsroom through sort of an unprecedented time. Have you covered anything that reminds you of this coverage of coronavirus that we're doing right now? I honestly, in all the years that I've been in this business, I have not seen anything quite like this. Um, just to give you an idea of my experience, um, I've been at WRAL for 13 years. Prior to that, my last job, I was at 12 years um, as an executive producer of special projects. So I have never seen anything like that. That says a lot. 25 years in this business, and this is the first. What makes this different, do you think? I think the fear of the unknown for a lot of people. Um, this is a new virus, um, a new strain, and something we haven't seen before, so we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, I think that's probably the biggest concern of all is just the unknown. And not even what's going to happen, how it spread exactly, right? And like, it's just so nebulous, a lot of things. Yes, definitely. Very quick spread. Um, you know, I would leave here and then I would go home and check and there'd be several hundred more cases nationwide. We've been reporting on this for, I guess, a couple months now, but it was just last week that it really hit him. It was... Super Tuesday, primary election night here for us at, in Raleigh. And we had big plans for that already. Yeah, huge plan in place for Super Tuesday, our biggest story of the day. And, you know, I'm sure this has been going on for weeks that you guys have been planning this. And then all of a sudden, I think we're in our afternoon meeting. It was about 3 o'clock. We get this 
email release that there is one person who is tested presumptively positive, not just in North Carolina, but here in Wake County. Yes, I believe you got the email first and brought it up. I think I did. I think my eyes went very wide at that point because we were talking about what we were doing for Super Tuesday. So how did the plan change at that point? Like, what did we have to do to make sure that we were covering it right? So we had to obviously divert some resources to cover this other huge breaking story, um, yet not give up on this giant election story that we've been planning for and prepared for. And that's really very important. Um, So we had to find a a balance between the two. And I'd say it's the only time when there was actually a discussion of whether are are we leading with, you know, the Super Tuesday election that we've literally affects everybody. But all of a sudden, coronavirus literally affects everybody, too. One thing that from a a management point of view, we have a a meeting every morning at 845, right, But that has you and our news director and our general manager talking about the direction for the day. What has been or what have been the priorities for WREL when it comes to coverage of coronavirus? So I think the most important thing, and, and it's our responsibility to do this, is to report what is factual about this? There's a lot of fear and a lot of panic out there right now. Um, and it's our job to sort through that and um, find the truth, um, you know, report the facts, reassure people, um, let them know what they need to do. Um, I just think that there's so much fear and panic out there right now that our job is to make sure that our reporting is, is accurate, is thorough. Um, that we're well-researched, and that we're having really good conversations and bringing important information to people that they need to know. Yeah, and we've sort of taken on that facts, not fear mentality, right, as we as we look in the morning meeting, decide what stories we're going to cover and how we're going to cover them. Um, one thing I think that's interesting is most stories, we, we're all about the real people, right? We want to hear from real people about how it's affecting them. In this story particularly, it seems important to hear from the experts because it's evolving so quickly, because things are changing. You know, we are relying on the Wake Health Department and DHHS to give us the latest information. So I think that sort of changes our stories as well. Absolutely. I think that it's very important we hear from officials. Um, what what are they deciding? Um, what do they know about test kits, about um, the illness itself? What is self-monitoring? What is social distance? All of those things I think it's it's really important that we talk to um, some of those experts, um, you know, medical experts, um, government officials. Uh, you know, you're right. There is an emphasis on real people, and this is imp- impacting our all of our lives. Um, but it's really important that we go to official sources and get correct information about what's really happening. Another thing that WRL has done is a big stories meeting where people from kind of around the the whole building, not just the newsroom, were brought in to talk about how we should cover something. Talk about that a little bit. We have launched this big story team before, um, but um, haven't done it in recent years. And typically, when we're talking about how we're going to cover a story, it's a lot of managers and producers. In this particular case, we wanted to see how other people in the building felt about it um, and see what other ideas they have, what what else is on their mind. Um, So we convene a a group ranging from somebody who works in HR 
to to some news folks, um, and not just the managers. It was a, a blend of anchors and reporters, producers, producers, um, and not necessarily, you know, you know, the person who does the six p.m. every single night. It, it, you know, it was somebody who had valuable ideas to bring to the table, and um, so we convened this meeting, and everybody could kind of get their ideas out there. Um, get a sense of what we should be doing, the direction we should be going in as a group. And it's just um, a way for us to um, find things that we aren't thinking of in the newsroom, um, you know, maybe from another department, another source, you know, how how people are really thinking about this story. And because they're coming from different places, right? I mean, our the producers, you know, mid-20s, and then you have a person who's been in the station for over 20 years, who who had comes from a totally different mindset, you know? And so I was really interested in the diversity of story angles that we got. Yeah. And, you know, when you think in terms of somebody from HR, we're also a company. Right. You know, what kind of issues are companies facing right now? So speaking of that, safety is always a priority here and for us. Um, but as we think about protecting our people in this sort of unknown you know, coverage of this virus, I think we're also sort of changing what we're thinking and expecting of them. We're doing a lot more FaceTime interviews or how do you see that? Absolutely. Um, you know, they're out there on the front lines of the story. Um, every time something new happens or something breaks, um, they're the ones out in the field gathering the information. Um, you know, some are very concerned about um, what this means for them health-wise and um, so we've encouraged them to do FaceTime interviews instead of in-person interviews, um, not approaching people who we know have had possible exposure. Right. It's not like go do a door knock as we might in another instance. Like, exactly. Exactly. It's like, please don't do that door knock. Please don't do that <laughs> don't door knock. Don't put yourself in danger. Yeah. Another thing that we've um, done here in the newsroom is we're starting to move people to other parts of the building. So... Um, not everybody is gathered in one place. Um, that way, if one person gets exposed um, or we have a potential, you know, positive case here, not everybody has to, you not know. everybody's affected. Be, yeah, not everybody's affected. So um, that's another thing that we've done. Our field crews can stay out in the field. They don't necessarily have to come back to the station. Mm -hmm. um, we have some people who are working from home right now. Yeah, some of our digital and, and investigative team especially. Um, I also know that um, th we've been giving the crews that heading out in the fields sort of packs. Yeah, safety packs, if you will, with hand sanitizer and um, Clorox wipes. Antibacterial, and, yeah. Yeah, all of that. And it's we're doing what we can, and it's just— it's just so unknown. It's just a weird—I told somebody the other day, I feel like I'm living in a universe where I don't quite know the rules yet. Because it evolves every day. It does. And literally by the minute. Right. I mean, I was gone from the newsroom for about 45 minutes, and I can't believe how much has changed yeah. in 45 minutes right. on this particular story. Yep. So, so many developments every single day. Um, why, what do you think in an instance like this is the media's role, and why is it important that we're having these conversations and doing what we're doing? So I think the media's role is is just going back to the very basics of what we do. We have a responsibility to inform people. And just going back to those basics, um, we need to get it right. We need to give factual information. 
um, let people know what this is really about. Um, talk to the appropriate sources, you know, who who know a lot about what's happening. Um, so I think it goes back to the very basic of what we do, and that is to inform. You started, I think, last week this fact, not fiction, right, when we took like three things that were either circulating on the Internet or that people had asked us about, sent in questions, and literally taking those questions from people and answering them on air to get to the most amount of people possible. So we noticed some themes in viewer emails and Facebook posts um, or, or even phone calls to our assignment desk, um, people with the same questions over and over again. You know, can you transmit the virus via money? Yeah, that was an a big exchange one. of money. Or if I order a package, it, you China. know, am I at risk? Um, it, you know, all of those questions. And there were just so many. We were inundated with the same themes over and over again. And I felt like we needed um, a way to to kind of get that message through to viewers um, and answer their questions. Yeah, I think that's been really effective. Um, and like we were talking about things evolving on the fly on. Last Friday, we were in our, our morning meeting, our tactical meeting, and um, our general manager said, I think we should do something bigger on this. I think we should do a special um, on Monday. You know, so we basically had a day to get it together. Um, but we did. We had three experts here who could directly answer those questions, you know, talk directly to people, um, which is, you know, I think it's a service to our community. Absolutely. Um, I, I believe this company is committed to doing that, and um, and we're going to do whatever it takes to continue to inform the public about what's happening, facts versus fiction. Exactly, and versus fear. Coming up in the next section, I talk with Jody Glusko, head of all digital news products at WRAL. She talks about what she and her staff do to get the latest information to everybody's phones, computers, social media accounts, 24-7, as this pandemic continues to evolve. Talking with Jody Glusko, our director of digital content here at WRAL. Um, what does that job actually entail, Jody? Well, my team is responsible for everything that you see on WRAL.com, on our apps, and on our brand uh, social platforms. We write stories, we source and clip video from the newscasts, um, and we if you get a breaking push alert, that comes from my team. So in recent days, that's been our focus, getting the latest news about coronavirus out as fast as possible. Our coverage of it here at WRL is not something that we do haphazardly. It's, it's, you know, we have a defined approach. What would you say um, is kind of the driving factor behind our digital coverage of coronavirus? I think... It's something that we know but are reminded of when a story is this important and life-impacting, which is the more specific we can be with language, uh, the better we can serve the audience. Uh, If you're looking for Wake Schools coverage and we have a story about coronavirus that doesn't mention Wake Schools, you're not going to feel like we did our job. Um, So you're going to see multiple stories over the course of a day rather than just one overarching story. Um, 
we also are trying to be as careful as possible about tested positive, presumptive positive. Um, we're daily updating the number of cases so that we can be truthful and complete without causing any more fear than is necessary. So precision is is necessary to, we t- we've talked about um, facts, not fear, right? It's sort of the overarching way that we're going about it. Yeah. So knowing Pre- precision in the language, um, we have over the course of the last two weeks or so, you know, developed a pool of visual language um, so that every coronavirus story doesn't carry the same graphic. Um, so that if it's about the economy, you know it's about the economy. If it's about the health system, you know it's about the health system. If it's about the schools, you know it's about the schools. And so precision in language and in our visual delivery. Visual language is a really interesting term to use. When you're dealing with words, you know, that's largely, well, I guess, no, I was going to say that's largely how um, information is consumed online, but video and, and pictures probably put in way just as much. Yeah, we know that the m- vast majority of our audience are accessing our digital platforms on their phone. And so they've got a very little bit of real estate, um, and they're probably scrolling. Um, and so we want to give them all the health and safety information that they need without a click, and then we want to give them the deep uh, factual information once they do click. And it's both words and visuals that will get them to make that click. In your position, I'm sure you look at and have, you know are aware of many other media outlets digital approaches, what would you not want to see on our digital platforms? What, what do you stay away from or, you know, urge your staff not to include? I, I would say this for coronavirus in any story. Um, we saw an example just the other night with the Raleigh Police uh, Department where information sur- surfaces on social media. Um, incorrect information. Incorrect information surfaces really quickly on social media. We want to be on social media, but we also want to be very cautious about who we associate with and what information we further share. Um, Even if we're doing a story about a law enforcement officer getting a promotion, before we share that from social media, we want to make a phone call to that organization just to double check. Not just trusting whatever's put out there because anybody can put stuff on social media. You've been in media for years. How has social media changed the approach to getting information out? Has it helped or hurt, especially in cases like this, like big things that affect everybody? I really think it's it's an overall benefit. I think there's so much need for information, and the more platforms we can put it on, the more platforms people can access it from, the better. I also think that uh, critical thinking is important. Um, You know, if it, it, and I would say this for my journalism team, and I would say this to my neighbors and my kids check a second source. Um, My daughter last night texted me, she saw a link on Reddit about the NBA post suspending the rest of their season. Mm -hmm. Is this real? And I was able to point her to then a more traditional media source that also had it. Um, So I think that our job is also sort of rumor checking Mm -hmm. and uh, validating when things do start to surface and uh, sort of being a steady hand when things are surfacing that are untrue. 
This um, now uh, an official pandemic per the WHO yesterday has evolved and, and is sort of rapidly evolving now. Um, how is WREL.com and all of our other digital assets, how are they, how are you responding to this acceleration? How do you th- see things changing moving forward now that, you know, flights from Europe are suspended, NBA, NCAA games are going to be played without fans? Is there a shift in approach to uh, as almost like a, when a hurricane happens, right? Like, do you change the mentality? Yeah, I think we have the hurricane is a good example. Um, you're going to see less business news if it doesn't have to do with the stock market and coronavirus. You're going to see less national stories about what's happening in Wisconsin or Utah um, because my team is working more closely on coronavirus. Um, we will assign more people to that beat, if you will, um, until the crisis is over. Um, we're even thinking about the time of day that we work and do we need to adjust our schedules to be able to deliver that information better. Go into that more. Is there a time period that you want to make sure you're covered more because more things are happening or more because more people are reading at that time? Our traffic tends to surge in the morning as people get up, look at their phones or get to their desk at work. Um, we have begun sending a daily email newsletter um, you can subscribe at wrl.com slash coronavirus. That'll hit your inbox every day at noon, and it will be the latest and best of WRL's coronavirus coverage. So it may include the WHO pandemic, but it will also include all of our reporting uh, since the day before, important stuff like what to have on hand if your child gets a cold. Um, So we're trying to do some helpful stuff as well as some informative stuff. Um, And then we see another spike in traffic in the early evening. People tune into the news and they also pull out their phone to check what what has happened while they were going about their lives. Organizations, agencies tend to work through the day and sort of compile what they know and release it late in the day so that it can get in that media cycle. Um, You know, yesterday, I think we had the NCAA, the ACC, two new cases in the triangle. NBA. Uh, NBA wasn't until after I left. Okay. But all within that window of like 5 to 8 p.m. Digital media is able to do a different job than television in that it's um, more in real time and people can reach directly to you and ask questions. How is WRL leveraging that? Are we, um, you know, it's not just a disseminating information, it's also getting information. It's always incredible to me and humbling that people will ask us those questions, questions that maybe they should ask their doctor or their county health service. We started a week or two ago with the Facebook Live with Dr. Mask, where we took questions all day, and then we took questions live on Facebook, and he answered what people were worried worried about. Um, we did the special on television and on the web. Again, taking questions. We just we get questions in so many different ways. Social media, email. People people will call us on the phone. Yeah, and just say, I have a sore throat. What should I do? Um, I think we're deep enough into this. And we have great resources from the CDC and the WHO and our county health departments and Dr. Mask. Um, and so we've efforted 
replying to every one of those questions one-on-one, one on one. whether we're doing a talk back or not, those people are getting an answer from WRL that points them to the resources that are out there. That's incredible. And, and it gives us a different relationship with our viewers and our consumers, I think, that they know that when they reach out, it doesn't just go into this, you know, vast emptiness. It, it's going to be heard and replied to. It's part of the WRL culture that we have a very one-on-one -on -one relationship with our audience, that they will always know there's a person behind the screen. News has always been breakneck, but it seems that it's accelerated even more now. How do you deal with the speed that news happens and, and comes in and, and disseminating it? There's a great deal of pressure to be first. People carry around these little computers in their pockets and they want to feel that buzz and they want to know that their local news organization is on it. Um, but we constantly have to remind ourselves individually and as a team that we need to get it right. Um, we need to be, going back to the language, as specific as possible. Last night when we found out there was a new case linked to Durham and a new case linked to Wake County, we talked for a couple minutes about whether to describe those two people as residents um, of the triangle because we didn't know if they were the guy who had been connected to Biogen. We didn't know if that person was passing through or actually lived here. Mm -hmm. um, we took a couple minutes in how to describe the historic nature of what the ACC and the NCAA were doing. Um, and we also considered whether that was a story that needed to go both to our sports audience and to our news audience. In this case, it was. Mm -hmm. Consumers of news aren't waiting for the six o'clock news anymore. They want news to come to them. That's a lot of pressure. We constantly talk about we need to be where the audience is. We can no longer count on the audience coming to us. Um, and because we believe in this community service duty, um, we go out of our way to be there, whether it's they want to listen to it on a podcast, they want to get a push alert, or they want to sit down and watch television. Um, or we even talk about, you know, especially with our morning news, we know that those people are often have the television on but not looking at it. Um, and so, again, it goes back to the language of how do you describe it for people who may not be able to see it. I think that that's... I like the way that you put it, that it's a community service. Um, I watched President Trump's address last night from the WREL app. You know, I watch morning news from my phone. I, I don't turn on the TV as much. It's it's a different landscape than it used to be. And it, in no way can one station or entity be everything, but it seems like your team really tries its darndest to do that. We're trying. We're trying. It's, oh, it's always a difficult balance. Um, between where does it show up first? Does it show up first on television? Does it show up first on Twitter? Does it show up first in the app? Does it show up first on Facebook? Um, ideally, those things would all be in sync, but you only have so many hands typing um, and so many uh, people on the phone. Um, and so we try to find efficiencies where we can. Uh, we have in-house built tools that let us write once and push out to various platforms. Um, and we have to communicate within our newsroom. Jody Glasgow, thank you so much. Thank you.
You can find all the latest developments and get answers to many questions you may have on WRAL.com. All you have to do is type in coronavirus at the top and you'll get a list of all the different ways that our station is covering this pandemic. You'll also find on the main homepage a live story that is updating minute by minute as new information comes in. How to Commit Journalism is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. You can find this podcast along with many others that our station offers by going to WRAL.com and searching podcast.